in this season of life, not only uh, as individuals, but as, as a church, as a, a faith community. It's been so fun for our family to get to know your family, and we feel so great that you have welcomed us and received us. Um, and as we get to know one another, I, I trust that God is going to continue to shape our lives and our stories in some really cool and powerful ways. Uh, our family loves to take road trips. Uh, we have taken many opportunities to take uh, short day trips and uh, some even really long trips. And before Lucas was born, uh, while he was in utero, we went on a 5,000-mile road trip to go see family and uh, visit uh, people in the Midwest. And it was just so fun. Uh, and it, it was okay. It turned out all right. I think Tammy was able to survive. <laughs> But it, we just find when we're, when we're in the car and we're on the road and we're going somewhere fun, we're going to see people that we haven't seen in a long time, we're going to hit a destination that we've always wanted to visit, and we have that, that time where we're kind of leaving regular life behind and, and we have concentrated time as a family to just talk and to just be with one another. Somehow that has just been some of the most wonderful times as a family because we don't get that kind of time as very often as families in our, in our culture anymore. Well, we were on this road trip. We had gone all the way out to Illinois and down to Kansas City, and we're coming back, made this big loop. We're coming back from Kansas City through Kansas, and I don't know if you've ever driven through Kansas, but if you're heading west from Kansas City and you get past Topeka and Salina, pretty soon you, you kind of get out in the middle of nowhere. There's not much out there. And uh, we had this uh, new GPS in the car that we were trying to follow, and we made this one pit stop, and I don't know what happened. I got turned around, and we got off the main interstate and on this side road. And, and we didn't know where we were or how to get back to the interstate, and the GPS wasn't helping, and we were lost in the middle of nowhere Kansas. So all we could do is just keep driving west, because we knew that's the direction we were going. And eventually, of course, we hit a crossroad, and there was a sign that said Interstate 70 this way, and we were able to make our way back to the interstate and get back on track. Of course, it added at least an hour or two to our trip, which we had intended to be about an eight-hour day, and so it was a, a long day getting back to Colorado. But what we learned is, again, how important it is to have signs along the way, directions that keep us on track. And so much in our spiritual lives, I think it's the same way. It's so easy for us as we're going through life to, to, to take a wrong turn here or to, to get off the main path somewhere and then to, to recognize that, you know what, we don't really know where we are. We've, we've moved into uncharted territory. And, and we'd like to get back over here, but we're not really sure how to do that. And there's no signs, there's no uh, guide along the way to help us figure out how do we get back to the main road? How do we get back on the interstate? Uh, one of the most frequent road signs that you'll see on, on the highways, right, is the, the mile markers. Every mile, uh, we've, we've placed these markers along the way that tell you how far you've gone or uh, how far you have left to go. And those mile markers have become really indispensable, not only to travelers to help them know how far they're going and, and, and distance, but they've also become helpful for emergency crews and, and road maintenance people because it helps them to communicate where they need to go and, and the location they need to get to to do what they're being asked to do. 
Um, we understand the value of mile markers in our lives when we're driving and traveling on, on the road. I, in fact, we, we often have come to understand that there, these kinds of signs along the way are valuable not just in travel, but, but in life as well. Uh, we, we call them milestones. Uh, and in project management, a milestone has become a popular term as you're, as you're thinking about planning a project. You, you want to say, well, what are the milestones along the way that we need to, to set up so that we know we're on track to complete our project in the right time. Or, or sometimes a milestone can be a checkpoint. Uh, we know we, what our destination is, we know what result we're trying to achieve, but we're going to set up some checkpoints along the way so we can stop and say, is what the direction we're going, is what we're producing looking like what we want to? Or maybe we need to change course or change direction at this point. And so we, we understand the value of setting up these milestones I, I, along the way so that we keep ourselves on track. We also know if you look in the area of human development and child psychology that there are developmental milestones that we talk about in children. Uh, learning to, you know, sit up and roll over or walk or talk. There are developmental milestones that we identify along the way as we grow as people that we can look at as, as checkpoints to say, how are we doing in, in our growth? How are our children doing in their development? If, if they're off track, if they've missed a milestone, then maybe that gives as an indicator we need to, to check in and say maybe there's something we can do to help them to keep up with what is healthy, normal growth. So we understand this idea of milestones and checkpoints in, in our lives in many ways, but I think too often we miss the fact that we need the same kind of guidance in our spiritual lives. What are the milestones that help us to know if we're on track with God? As we go on this journey of faith, how do we know if, if we've come to a crossroad what the right direction is to go? How do we intentionally plan to find points in our lives where we're asking, hey, do we need a course correction here? Is the way I was going getting me where I wanted to go? Or, or, or maybe I've gotten some new information that helps me to rethink the way God has been working in my life and, and who I am designed to be and how he wants me to use my gifts and my abilities and my strengths for his kingdom. See, I think that as we go on this journey, we have to understand how do we get uh, in line with God's spirit so that we're understanding those mile markers on the journey of life that God uses to keep us on track and to give us direction. As we look at the story of God's people, today we're going to look at the story, part of the story of Jacob. And uh, we started our journey with Abraham and then we uh, were introduced to Isaac uh, when God gave him the son of promise. And then, of course, Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And we pick up the story in Genesis 28 with uh, the son Jacob. Now, it's important that we understand that before we get to this point in the story, Jacob had wrested the birthright and the inheritance from his older son Esau. In Hebrew culture, the oldest son was always in line to inherit the, uh, the family's business, so to speak. The family inheritance, the, the, the lion's share went to the oldest son, and the younger children got uh, progressively less as you, you kind of went down the, the chain of command, so to speak. But Jacob was a wily one, and he and his mother were in cahoots, and they came up with this plan so he could fool his father Isaac in his old age into giving him the blessing and the inheritance instead of his older son Esau. And, and so 
we pick up the story of Jacob not because he is a pillar of faith, but because he's a, a, a scoundrel. And, and, and he, he is, you know, kind of taking life into his own hands. He's a, he's a ladder climber. He's out to get what he can get in life. And, and so we have to understand that, that when God shows up in Jacob's life, it's not because he's this great saintly character. It's in the midst of Jacob's own self-serving life that we find God breaks in and reveals a whole new understanding to Jacob and puts him on a new course in his life. So we pick it up in uh, uh, verse 10 of chapter 28, and it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Now see, he's leaving because after his father gave him the blessing, he said, okay, now that you have the blessing, I want you to leave And I want you to go back to our our ancestral land and find a good woman to marry from our own tribe, from our own clan. I don't want you marrying one of the Canaanite women around here because part of the blessing that God gave to Abraham originally is that he would multiply their people. They would become a great nation. So here Jacob thinks he's getting in on, you know, the good deal of getting the inheritance. And then Isaac says, all right, fine, you want the blessing? You need to go on this trip and go find yourself a wife. Well, it was 550 miles away from where they were, which in that day would take them about a month, and it wasn't easy, and it probably wasn't all that safe. But Jacob, being obedient to his father's wish, left Beersheba and set out for Haran, and when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So here God is reiterating the same kind of promise that he gave to Abraham, that he was going to bless Jacob, and this promise was going to come through him and through his descendants now. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if you will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So we see that Jacob stops at this Motel 6, <laughs> right? And, and he doesn't have a... a, a a five-star hotel to stay in. He, all he's got is a rock to, to lay his head on. So he grabs this rock, and, and he lays down to go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, God shows up in this kind of powerful way through this dream. 
and, and reveals something to Jacob that, that totally blows his mind. Now, it's important that we understand this, this stairway or this ladder image. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but in that culture, people believe that, that God, the gods, the deities, came to earth and descended through these gates or these portals between the, the human realm and the divine realm. And they needed to, to build these stairways to allow the, the gods to descend into the human realm. And so they had these things called ziggurats that they would build. And they weren't temples themselves. They always built them next to the temples. Uh, and, and they were tall stairways that uh, allowed the gods to ascend and descend as they came to the human realm. And so in that culture, this idea of having a, a stairway or what some people call a ladder for the gods was, was a common understanding. And so God shows up and, and gives this image to Jacob that, that his angels, his messengers are descending on this, this stairway and that somehow this place where he is is, is a, one of those sacred places. It's a, it's a portal to, to the divine. It's a, a place where you can connect with God in a way that, that maybe you can't in any other place. And so when he wakes up, he's like, oh my goodness, I, I didn't even know that this was the place, but, but apparently it is. And so he takes the stone and he, he sets it up as a pillar and he, he pours oil on it, which is a, a type of sacrifice, and he, he honors God in that place. And he sets up this stone as a reminder that he had met God in that place. And he names it Bethel, which means the house of God. And he, he was saying, this is the place where, where God will live. I will recognize that God is here in this place. And we also need to understand that in that culture, standing stones or memorial stones or pillar stones were often a, a place of marking sacred space. When people would have experiences that they wanted to remember or be reminded of, they would set up a pillar or they would set up a pile of stones or they would set up what uh, in the book of Samuel was called an Ebenezer. If you guys know uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, but we also know that uh, in the old hymn, Come thou found of every blessing, here I raise mine Ebenezer. Well, it's I raise a memorial stone. I raise a, a pillar to remind me that I have had this experience of God and, and that I can come back and remember that I have this anchor point that at some point in my life, God showed up. God was real. God did something for me. And that's something I need to hang on to. That's something that will guide me in the future. It's a milestone. It's a road marker along the journey of faith. And so throughout the ancient culture, we saw people using stones as a way of setting up these mile markers in their spiritual lives. And we also understand that this covenant that God gave to Abraham is a part of what he promises to Jacob. But he doesn't promise just to bless him with the prosperity, but he says something very intriguing where he says, I, will, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until what I have done, what I promised you. Sometimes I think that we are looking for meaning and for satisfaction and for purpose in life 
but we try and create it ourselves. We try and make it our, our, our own. We go on this journey of life and we, we come up with all of these good ideas of things that we could do or things that we want to do, but we never really take time to ask God, God, is this what you have for me? Is this part of your plan? Is this part of your blessing for my life? And so in the busyness of life and in the rat race of family and work and hectic schedules, we often forget to pay attention to the God moments where God gives us those milestone experiences to help us on our journey. I remember one of my own milestone experiences in, in my own faith journey. Well, one was, you know, I shared my testimony a few weeks ago where God showed up through a song. Uh, and I remember another one uh, when I was in Pasadena at Fuller, and I was going through a period of, of pretty deep depression. I had uh, felt like life was falling apart. Uh, I had felt like I had gotten off the interstate, and I didn't really know how to get back on. Uh, and so I needed to take a break and to figure out where is God in the midst of this and who am I in the midst of this? And so I, I stepped down from ministry and I took a job schlepping bagels at a bagel bakery for a couple of years. And I, I took a break from school and, and I just concentrated on figuring out where I had, how I had gotten to this place and how do I get out of it and move forward. And for any of you, of you who have experienced depression, it, it's tough because you, you can't just, you know, throw a switch and go, oh, I'm happy now. It, it, it feels like you're stuck in, in, in a deep, dark place, and, and, and you just kind of have to wait there and figure out, I don't know what's going to change. I don't know how, how I'm going to figure out what is going to be different, but, but here I am, and all I can do is kind of go through this experience. So there I was, uh, you know, in seminary, but having to kind of have this moratorium, taking a break and figuring out where God was in the midst of it. And I remember the day when I was at a, a coffee shop in Pasadena, and I was reading the Bible, and I was studying and praying and journaling, and the voice of God, not audibly in, in any, you know, way that I heard with my ears, but in my spirit, I heard God say, the same kind of thing he says here to Jacob. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I felt like what he wanted me to understand is that to that point in my life, I had always believed that God was with me, but in the midst of darkness and challenge and depression, I, I, I couldn't sense God's presence. I couldn't feel his presence. I, I went to scripture and, and it was dry and, and I just didn't know how to connect with God and I felt like God had maybe abandoned me. Not that he had really left, but he just was hiding himself from me. And it was in that moment that I realized that God was saying, it's not that I'm hiding, it's that I am so close to you that you can't see me. I am so close to you that you can't see me. And I realized the truth of what was now real, realized because of what Christ has done is that God's Spirit was not just with me, but it was within me. And not just like, you know, a shell, I have a, a shell of a body and somehow God was in there. God was woven into my life. God was woven into my personality. God was in me. And, and I can't explain scientifically what that looks like, how you parse spirit from spirit, but we know that the Bible says that God comes into our heart. And, and he inhabits our soul. And I realized what that meant is God was saying, every tear that you shed, I cry with you. Every wound that you feel, 
I feel that pain with you. Every fear that you have, I sense the anxiety and the the tension and the stress. I feel that I am with you. And my whole perspective changed on who God was in my life. And I realized that God, I was never going through anything alone. That every experience I had, God was going through that experience with me. And the the confidence that that gave me, the courage that that gave me, that I was not alone in this dark pit. I was not alone in this depression. I was not alone in this world, but I had a friend and a companion, much less the God of the universe who knew the way out. And that was the crossroad. That was the turning point in my own journey to find new hope and new direction to begin to come out of that place in my life. What are those places in your life where you've had that crossroad experience? Those moments where God has shown up. What has he taught you in those moments? Because I think what happens too often is we have these experiences with God, but then we move on and we, we, we forget about them. And, and we, we go about our life and we have more difficulty and, and we're, not, we're not reminded of how those experiences were to be those reminder stones, those memorial stones, those anchor points that give us faith and confidence in our present day. Too often we rush through our busy lives, never paying attention to what God might be wanting to communicate in and through our current life circumstances. We spend our time thinking and planning for the future, but we forget that it's equally equally important to remember the lessons of our past. So how do we learn this lesson? What is it that we need to do to take advantage of these kinds of milestones that God builds into our spiritual lives? Well, step one is we simply have to learn to pay attention. We learn from the Bible that God is a God who speaks from the beginning of creation to the present day. God is a God who is always wanting to give us his word. He he spoke creation into being. He spoke through a son, Jesus, who was the word made flesh. He spoke through the Bible to give us his word. God is a God who is always and continually speaking. The question is, are are we paying attention? Do we have as Jesus would say, ears to hear. The second thing I suggest that we need to be able to do is we need to be good at developing the skill of remembering. We need to develop the skill of remembering. I believe that God weaves into our lives experiences of of his presence, of his guidance, that shape us over a lifetime. And one of the things that I think we can help one another do as we build disciples as we develop people is we can help one another get good at going back and mining the stories of our past those god moments where god did a work in us where god gave us a new understanding of who he was and what he wanted us to do and that allows us to collect those stories to collect those memories as a way that gives us insight for our current situation and filters for decisions on how we want to move in the future And then, of course, the last piece is we need to share those stories with one another. You understand that it's as we share those God stories, as we identify, or as we would say, we testify to where God showed up in my life, that we become a model and an encouragement to others who are looking for evidence of God in their lives. I've met a lot of people who have come to faith later in life, 
And as they've come to faith and they've accepted uh, Christ as their Lord and they start walking with God and they start doing that process of looking back and understanding where has God been shaping me, you know what they realize? They often realize that God was with them even when they weren't with God. They can look back to to moments in childhood or moments in college when when God was there and God was speaking. They just weren't paying attention. They just didn't understand that it was his voice. But now, looking back, with the eyes of faith, they realize that God had been present. God had been drawing them. God had been shaping them. And, and, And now, in this moment, with the eyes of faith open, they see all of the gifts that God had been building into their lives. What's a huge tragedy is, for those of us who've walked with God for a good portion of our lives, we too don't realize all of the gifts that God has planted in the soil of our lives. Buried treasures waiting for us to go back and unpack and realize God has been planting these, these jewels, these pearls of great price in the soil of our lives. And if we can discover how to do that and do that well, Oh, the clarity and the, the, the direction it gives us for today and, and the hope for tomorrow. Milestones for us in our spiritual lives are those God moments where maybe we weren't really paying attention, but somehow God breaks through the fog of our, uh, of our minds and we say with Jacob, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. You see, this story of of Jacob isn't because of his faithfulness. He wasn't this saint that God was blessing. This is a story of God breaking into Jacob's selfishness and and waking him up to the presence of God in his life. He was this snot-nosed kid that had grown up in a dysfunctional family and was thinking that he needed to take life by the horns himself and kind of go and grab life for all it's worth. You know, carpe diem, seize the day. And in the midst of that, God breaks in and he says, you're missing the larger picture here. I am the God of your father and your grandfather. And, and the blessing that I have given them and the promise that I have given them is for you too. But you've got to learn how to pay attention and recognize me in the moment. So how do we mark God moments? How do we identify those places when God shows up? Well, as I already said, it could be God could show up in a song. God could show up through reading his word, and there can be a scripture passage that pops out and kind of slaps us in the face and says, pay attention because this one's for you today. God can show up through a person. How many of you have, can think back on your life to those key people who God used to shape your perspective on, on your faith journey? I mean, you let, just a quick show of hands. How many of you have those, those people in their lives who were, were those milestone people, those markers on the journey? God can show up through a particular experience or the convergence of multiple circumstances that when they all line up, you go, oh, that has to be God because there's no way that that could have happened all in that way, in that order, right? Some people find uh, God through journaling. You journal their prayers, and they, they write down the things that they're concerned about and the requests that they have for God. And over time, they, they go back and they look and they begin to see the pattern, how, how God answers those prayers. And so uh, a, a journal book can be like a, a, a milestone uh, setting up stones of remembrance where we go back and identify how God has been faithful in our lives. The experiences that we remember point back to and remind us that God has shown up. 
that these moments are the moments that we, we look back to that help keep us on track and give us direction when days get dark and confusing. And when we hit those crossroads in life, they become a tool and a resource for us to give us a sense of direction on the road ahead. In many ways, that's really what the Bible is. You know, I, I always struggle kind of to understand how do, we, how do we understand the Bible? How do we talk about what the Bible is? And, and there's a lot of different ways to understand the Bible. It is the Word of God. We believe that. It is also the story of God's people. And I think another way that we can understand what the Bible is, is it's a record of those milestone experiences where people say, God showed up, and we're going we're gonna to record it, and we're going to testify that, that God has done something in our lives, that God has given us a, a greater understanding, that God has given us a sense of direction. And that's why it's so helpful for us to go back and look at the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and, and all of the people throughout history that have walked with God because their story has become our story. And just like we can share our stories with one another for encouragement and direction, we have a, a treasure trove of, of milestone moments throughout history when God has shown up. God has spoken his word to his people. God has encouraged them and blessed them. And because of that, we too can learn from that without having to necessarily go through those same lessons ourselves. Because we have the Holy Spirit with us, we too can experience the, the presence of Christ in our lives and every moment of life can become a God moment. This moment right now could be a God moment for you. As you go out to lunch with friends or family today, you may have a God moment that you didn't expect because God is with you. God is within you. And whatever you're thinking, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're fearing, God can break into your experience of life and show up in a way that, that totally gives you a sense of peace and comfort and joy because you have hope for what you're going through. Ultimately, we know that Christ has become our milestone. Christ has become our memory stone. And, and I think that's the larger picture of, of what it means when Peter, in, in the book of 1 Peter, talks about coming to Jesus, who is, who is not just a, a dead rock that we pour oil on, but has become a living stone of remembrance. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, when we get this picture that God is on the journey with us, and that God gives us these mile markers in our lives, we become remembrance stones for others. We offer spiritual sacrifices, like Jacob poured oil on the stone to, to, to mark a sacrifice to God. Our lives are poured out like healing oil to those around us. And, and our stories become milestone stories that we share with our children and, and, and we share with our neighbors, and we share with one another that, that provide hope and encouragement. One of the things that was a great joy for me for a, a good number of years is that my father and I had the, the privilege of doing an annual father-son trip to the cabin. 
My parents had a cabin in Colorado, and uh, we would go up every spring, and we would open the cabin after it had been closed for the winter, and we you know, raked all the pine needles from the property, and we uh, you know, flushed out all the antifreeze that we would put in the pipes, and we got everything kind of spruced up and dusted off and ready for the, the summer. But on these trips, not only did we work hard and get everything cleaned up, but we had time to sit on the patio and to watch the birds and to listen to the air blow through the pine trees at 8,000 feet in Colorado. And we got to share stories of life from the recent year. And, and we had those God moment experiences because we were able to share those places where we felt God leading us forward. And, and what a joy to be able to do that with your father. What a joy. I, I look forward to the time when I can have those kinds of experiences with, with my own son, Lucas. Because you understand, as parents, our own life stories, our joys and our trials, our successes and our failures, are all milestones that we can pass on to our kids if we help them to understand where God is in the midst of it. You see, it's not about our success. It's not about our ability to be good. We're often like Jacob. We're dirty, rotten scoundrels just trying to grab at what we can get. But then we can honestly say, you know what? In spite of ourselves, God has broken in and blessed me. God has, has reached out and grabbed me even when I wasn't paying attention, shaken me by the shirt collar and said, wake up, I am with you. And I have a plan and a desire to bless you and to multiply you and to bless others through you. So as we move forward, I, I'm just going to offer a few key suggestions. If, if you are interested in, in kind of moving forward and, and looking back and taking time to maybe start doing some mining in your own story, going back to your own history, I, there are three things that you can look for. Number one is you can think about what are the key events in my life, the key spiritual times when I felt like God was present and doing something in my life. What were those turning point experiences in your life? And then you can just list those out. Maybe there's three, four, five, maybe you have ten or more. What are those turning point experiences, and, and what did you learn there? What, did, what it was the lesson that God had for you? Did he reveal something about himself? Did he reveal something about you? Was it something about where he wanted you to go? Then go back and do the same thing with those key people. Who are the key people that God has placed in your life that have, have shaped you, that have modeled something for you, that have been those milestone people, those Ebenezers in your life that are remembrances as you think back to them? Yes, God gave that person to me to help me to learn what he wanted for my life. What did you learn from them? How did it impact the direction of your life? How does it give you insight today for, for where God is leading you? And then the third thing, and there, we could go on, there's probably more, but the, the third thing I think is really significant is what are those key scripture passages? What are those key verses or, or the key books that, as you've been walking with God, have been most impactful for you? And maybe go back and look at those again and say, what is it about this verse or what is it about this passage that God wanted me to remember? And how does that help me today? And then what's interesting is if you're willing to do the work of, of, of the mining, I think what you'll see is that God will begin to weave together a mosaic picture of, of how he has been working in your life that will give you insight and clarity for the, the journey ahead. And in many ways, that's the, that's the work that we have to do as a church. 
before we just run too far ahead and say, oh, here's where we're going to go, and this is what we want to do for God, and, and, and this is how we're going to be as a faith community, I think it's important that we take the time to, to listen well and to understand our history and our story and, and how are the milestones along the journey of Faith Covenant Church markers that give us indication for where God wants to lead us in the future. Because I believe that our future really is embedded in the foundation of our past. Our story is, is the treasure trove that gives us clarity for where God is leading us in the future. And then we can share those stories with others. Well, I am over time. But I hope that you are encouraged by the idea that God is always speaking into our lives. And your story has valuable things in it that you can find that God has planted there. And together, as we help one another get good at being people who remember well, we can be an encouragement not only to one another, but to those out there in the community who are so desperate in need of hearing a fresh voice that God is alive, God is real, and God wants to bless them as well. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we do thank you that you are always speaking. And as you speak to us again today, God, would you give us the courage and the strength to respond to what you would have us know and understand about who you are, about your son's gift to us and the presence of his spirit in our lives. Would you multiply us and make us a blessing to those around us? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.